Well, hello, my friends. It's John O'Leary, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast. We have started a new segment called Monday Moments. The idea behind the Monday Moments is this, for me to share with you, our listeners, a burst of inspiration to start your week on fire, baby, on fire. Each week, we will be a little bit different than the one that preceded it. I may share a story from a Live Inspired community member. I may answer one of your questions, so send them in. Or like this week, I may share an update from a previous guest. To have our Monday Moment episodes automatically sent to you, subscribe to the Live Inspired podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you may be listening to your podcast. I'll also share these episodes on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter, so you can find me there. If you've had a past guest that you'd like to hear from again, share a story about how the Live Inspired podcast has changed your life, or simply just have a question that you'd like me to answer, feel free to email me at info at johnolearyinspires.com. I'm going to say it again because I want to receive your feedback, your questions, your, your advice. Here we go. Send me it at info at johnolearyinspires.com. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and today I am honored to have you part of our very first, come on, give me the drum roll, please, our very first Monday Moments. We're going to start today with a topic that desperately needs to be revisited. Dennis Gillen is a dear friend of mine. He's been a guest on the Live Inspired podcast, and he's here to remove the stigma topic as a society that we are frequently too scared to talk about. Today, we're going to break down the stigma around mental health. We'll discuss how we can better care for ourselves. We'll step into the tragedy of suicide. We'll talk about suicide prevention and how we can show love to those who are suffering with their own loss. And that brings us to why I am so excited and thrilled today to talk to you about a message that we got to start talking about more with greater clarity, with greater conviction, because it's life-saving and it's life-giving. A little bit of context before we bring in Dennis Gillen. Last week, I had the painful, uh, unfortunate consequence of learning that two of my friends have taken their own life. Uh, these guys did not, not know each other. They were different levels in life. They were different stages in life. They had different things going on. But two guys that I knew, two guys that I loved, two guys that I looked up to, and two guys that I thought had life by its tail ended up taking their own life. And so as I'm grieving their loss and putting on the suit and struggling through this and hugging their family members, realizing that their children will never see them again, their parents will never see them again, their siblings will never see them again, I have to hop on a plane and fly to Knoxville, Tennessee. And it's in Knoxville that I experienced this story. Uh, it's the story of Amy Crawford, who was a fifth grade teacher. Amy Crawford is a passionate, life-giving teacher, but she, like the rest of us, occasionally sees the weaknesses in others. I think we all have that opportunity to improve in this area, but Amy had a student that she really struggled with at the early side of her career. Amy's fifth grade student was difficult because he hated class. He did not like the teacher. He did not like his classmates. He seemed indifferent to everything. And he was kind of a bully. 
So this, this is a difficult guy to love as a teacher over the course of nine months. So after a while, Amy slowly starts maybe even giving up on him a little bit. Then one day after the class leaves, she's cleaning up the room. She finds a piece of paper below his desk and it has these words on it. Uh, my friends, I want you to remember this poem written by a fifth grader. As you hear it, remember this. It's written by a 10-year-old boy with no perceptible writing ability, a student who was disengaged with his classwork. And he's a boy who had no desire to be friends with anybody else in the class. He was an island and proud of it. Now listen to these words, titled, I am the piece that never fits. I am the piece that never fits. I wonder why people hate me for who I am. I hear the cry of loneliness that comes from me. I see my sad, strange, different self in a mirror. I want someone on my side. I am the piece though that never fits. I pretend that words can never hurt me. I feel the urge to run away from myself. I touch the wet tear from my eye rolling down my face. I worry my future will be me, myself, and I. And I cry because I'm the cheese and everyone else is the mouse. I'm the piece that never fits. I understand that no one likes me. I say that there's no place for people like me in the world. I dream of a place where I actually fit in and I try to make friends and I hope too, but still, I'm the piece that never fits. This tragic, passionate, muted cry for help from this child who no one else was really listening to was heard very clearly by Amy and Amy stepped into the gap. Amy stepped alongside of this little boy. She guided him through with great care and grace and compassion and love and support, introducing him to things that might turn him on for life. She guided him into the next year, made the handoff into another teacher, into more friends, into greater possibility. And at last call, this little boy from fifth grade who was the piece that never fits has finally fit. He's married, he's got a great job, he's got a great life, and indeed he recognizes finally that he is a piece that does fit. He does fit. But what I know about our community, whether you are listening right now on the podcast, whether you're tuning in live through Facebook, whether you're seated next to me in the form of Dennis Gillen, is that from time to time in life, through the ups and downs, through the highs and lows, we sometimes feel like that piece that doesn't fit. And there's no one who understands that better. And I really mean this. There is no one who understands this better than our guest today. Dennis Gillen was with us on episode 46 of the Live Inspired podcast. Dennis Gillen lost a brother to suicide. And then shockingly and painfully and unbelievably, 11 years later, loses another brother to suicide. He's with us today because he's in St. Louis and I invited him to join us in studio to talk about this incredibly important muted issue that we need to bring into the light, that we need to put a mag megaphone in front of ourselves and that we need to broadcast to a world that is struggling with it because we are pieces that might be broken and frayed and scarred and beat down. But my friends, we're pieces that fit. So Dennis today is talking with us today about struggles and challenges, about suicide, about redemption, about life, and what we can do to harness the power of, of our own lives, the ability we have to influence those around us. So I want you to do a couple things. I want you to buckle up. I want you to open wide your hearts. I want you to open your heads. 
I want you to take notes because I have a feeling you may not be the piece that doesn't fit, but you are next to one who feels that way right now. You are married to one that feels that way right now. You are a brother or a sister or a son or a daughter to someone that feels that way right now. And we're certainly friends to people that feel this way right now. So Dennis is gonna remind us of how intense and real this issue is. And he'll inspire us to take the next steps forward in our own journey, but also in the journeys of those we support and love. So Dennis Gillen, one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite speakers and individuals, welcome back to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. Well, John, thanks for having me. And boy, that's the first time I heard that poem. And that was extremely moving. Um, And thank God for people like Amy Crawford who step in. Another teacher could have picked that up, read it and threw it out. But she made a difference in that kid's life. And it's interesting, he, in a weird way, he he wrote that poem, but I'm pretty sure every kid in that class could have wrote a poem very similar because there are times we all don't feel like we fit in. That's right. It wouldn't shock me if she went around and saw one of those pieces of paper underneath every desk because we all feel that way at some point in our life. We don't fit in. Mm. And the minute you say, I don't fit in, someone else will go, I don't fit in either. And that right. makes you know you're fitting in together. <laughs> you know, let's be independent together. Um, That's a cool example, by the way. And it, uh, what's really cool is the kid put it to paper and the teacher found it. That's in a weird way. That's a cry for help. And she found it and she helped. So today, Dennis, you're going to be helping us find it on a piece of paper. You're going to be kind of sharing a little bit of your story. But again, my friends, if you want to really learn more about this story, about Dennis's example, I encourage you right now to check it out at uh, Podcast 46 after you listen to this one, because that's when Dennis unpacks his story and why he's obviously so passionate about this topic. But Dennis, take us back to your own story, man. Tell us about your family and, and uh, this turning point in your journey, the, your, your first brother's suicide. It's so interesting to hear myself in you know, the introduction. I, I still think like, who is that guy? I have this out-of-body experience that this guy lost a brother to suicide. And then 11 years later, he lost another brother to suicide. And I'm sitting here going, oh, that poor guy. And then they go, ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Gillen. I'm like, right. wait, I am that guy. And I was at school at West Virginia University in my junior year on a Wednesday. And it was one of those weeks in school where you have a test in every subject. It was a normal week. I was studying accounting. I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. I was just bopping through this thing called life. And the phone rang and my life changed. It was my younger sister. I'm one of five kids. It was my younger sister, Janice, on the phone saying, Dennis, you need to come home. And I was eight hours from home. I was, I was probably where I thought I should be. But the next day I was home to bury my older brother who battled depression for years and the disease state won. I, you'll never hear me say, you know, he committed suicide. We don't like to say that word. He died by suicide. So let's, let's try to take that out of the vernacular. Mark was in a battle. His, his brain was his enemy at this time. And it, it's sad. And I wish he would have wrote a poem mm. after reading that and, and maybe somebody could have found it. On the day he died, on the day Mark died, I found out through Facebook Messenger that he went to visit somebody that day. And she went downstairs and opened up the door for him to let him in. They were friends. And he backed the car out and Mm. left. If he would have just dropped that poem off and said, I'm hurting. If he would have got out of the car and said, I'm hurting. That was the day. Inflection point. Yeah, it is. We're really good at helping people. We're really not good at raising our hand and asking for help. And that day, Mark was so close to asking for help, but he backed out of the driveway and left. And our family dynamic changed. Talk briefly about that change and then talk about the next sweeping storm that's on the horizon. Oh, the change was, for me personally, I only speak to myself. You know, everyone has, interprets it differently, but I lost my older brother, uh, whirlwind tour, go back to New York. I'm at West Virginia University. I go back to New York. 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, we do the whole funeral thing. Monday, grieve a little bit with the family. Tuesday, I'm back at school. And if I had to call it audible in my life, I'd change that dynamic a little bit. I would have take I would have taken more time off. I wasn't healed uh, by no means over the weekend. I I was I needed therapy. I wasn't doing it, and I went back to school. The drinking age was 18. I went back to school. I was 20, and I drank hard. That hurt, and I was masking the pain of Mark by, you know, drinking a lot. And then, um, unfortunately, I wasn't the only one handling it that way. And this is the segue into nightmare number two. John, um, 11 years after we lost Mark, remember the Gillen Five, Sheila, Mark now in heaven, me, Janice, and Matthew. Uh, The phone rings. I'm living in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. I sort of have my life together. I did get out of college, believe it or not. I'm shocked. Everyone paying attention right now is as stunned as I. My grade point average and my blood alcohol level were, (laughs) were, were, were on a collision course, but I got out. You know, I was smart enough to at least to figure out how to study for tests and short-term memory. I got out of school. I was married, living in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And I remember this day like it was yesterday as well. It was a Monday and the phone rang again. And um, bad news came knocking twice for the Gillen family. My younger brother, Matthew, was drinking just as much as I was. And in a drunken stupor with access to lethal means, he's gone. It doesn't matter means what it, gone is gone. And in America, we were just looking this up right before we got on there, 47,123 people annually die by suicide. And, and we're better than that. We're so much better than that. We, we need to write more poems. We need to raise our hand. We need to reach out. We need to be like Amy and see something, say something. We need to do more. And success in this business, the only way I can measure it, if that number goes down. That's right. And because of Amy, look at this number, 47,123. Because of Amy, it's not 47,124. And that's big. That's big. Yeah, I think one of the issues with numbers, and, and apparently one and a half million individuals tried, attempted suicide last year. One and a half million individuals. In, in the big numbers, though, you forget the one. You forget the Mark Gillen, you, you forget Dennis Gillen's brother, you forget the little fifth grader, you forget the, the individual lives that are profoundly and permanently and forever changed. And it, to Dennis's story is so robust, so emotional. When I even think about it, I get emotional and sad and my heart aches. I would encourage you after this episode to please tune back into episode 46 when he unpacks the story with the, with the timing that it deserves. Are, as we chatted, though, about getting ready for today's broadcast, we wanted to, to be a little bit less focused on the Gillen family, a little bit less focused really on the brothers. And Dennis right now is pointing toward the Facebook live stream, all on us, all on you, all on your family members, your friends, the neighbor that you're not that close to, all on the people around us in our lives so we can work together to, uh, to see change, to bring something that has been in the dark into the light to redeem a terrible situation and to somehow work together to make it beautiful and uh, grace-filled. So Dennis, let's talk a little bit about the, the challenge we face as a, as a community. It's not something we like to talk about. This is about as un- unpleasant a topic as there is. Not at all. We, uh, we shy away from it. In fact, when somebody dies by suicide, everyone tends to leave that person alone. I actually had a call actually through Facebook. I had a call Someone said, hey, Dennis, this person died by suicide. What do I do? And I said, what would you do if the person died by a heart attack? And I said, well, I'd make a casserole and I'd go over there. To which I said, well, make a casserole and go over there. 
Because it's, it's, we don't want to talk about it, but those people need you at that moment in time. Uh, if we can take it one step further, they need you before the suicide. That's what we're trying to do, prevent the funerals, prevent right. uh, the stigma. And the more we talk about it, that's why we're doing this on Facebook Live. The more we talk about it, the stigma gets smaller. It really does. And we're at a tipping point with this stuff. Mental health, when I speak at colleges, those kids show up. It's some of the older generation, my people, my people, my age, have trouble talking about it. Kids are ready to talk about it. They'll be on there. I, we did one talk at a Hofstra University and the student told me, he goes, sir, I didn't make it mandatory. I'm like, oh boy, that means nobody's gonna right. show up. You know, but we called it like mental wellness. We didn't call it suicide prevention, mental wellness, because it starts with mental health. I said, brother, I hope they show up. That night, 250 kids showed up. They want to talk about it. We sometimes shy away from it. And the older generation, my parents don't want to talk about it. My generation, not so much. The kids, I think, are ready. They've seen enough. So let, let's look at it from two sides. One is for those of us who are struggling right now. We, we are the ones in the fog. We are the ones wrestling with the demons. We are the ones that are battling um, this, this crisis ourselves. We, we feel alone and we feel like we're the piece that doesn't fit. Help us understand how do we make sense of this individually? And then we'll talk about it from the other side as a friend. I think that gentleman who wrote the, the, the poem, The Piece That Doesn't Fit, would be amazed at how many other pieces don't fit were sitting right next to him. One thing I need to do, if you're in a situation where you think it's you, and there's only two people I speak to, one, you're going to be around somebody with a mental health crisis. The other person I speak to, it may be you. Remember, I was doing fine at school till the phone rang, and next thing you know, my mental health was not very well. Mm -hmm. You got to be able, all of us, you got to be able to raise your hand, write the poem, figure out your network, activate your network and say, it's me. I'm not doing so good. Guys, we stink at it. I'm picking on the dudes right now. 78% of all suicides are men. 78%, do the math real quick, four to five. We're horrible at raising our hand, but we're really good at helping people. Someone has a flat tire outside the studio, we'll go help them. But sometimes if we're the person with that flat tire, we'll say, no, we got it when we really don't have it. We do that with mental health all the time. So be the person to raise your hand and say, I don't have this at the moment. You're still growing and one day you'll look down at your problems. But just, I need people to say, I'm not good and go seek professional help. That's what I did after Matthew died. I went and saw a, a counselor. So Dennis, we have uh, a whole bunch of comments and questions already rolling in. We had uh, Molly Hawkins. Molly, thank you for being a, a believer in a topic like this. And Molly says, amen. To see something, say something. Powerful sentence right there. George Forms, peace that fits. I love it. A lot of other comments are coming in, including a few questions. This one from Abby. Abby wants to know, how do you recognize the signs of suicide? And this is important, Abby, so I appreciate you bringing it up. Even when they say, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. They always say I'm fine. That's the thing. You got to peel that onion back. I would seriously do your research and try to memorize them. I try to put them in three buckets. And so the experts have talk, behavior, and mood. If people are verbalizing or talking about it, in that particular case with the poem, he wrote it out. That's a form of communication. It was found. Behavior, someone starts acting irrationally, reckless, or they isolate and pull away. As, you know, a stick alone can be broken by a child but a stick in a bundle cannot be broken. People will pull away. So it's up to the bundle to go get them. Your podcast, a bundle of people. People at work, a bundle. The people at my church, a bundle. People on my tennis team, that's a bundle. I need people to bundle up and be aware when somebody pulls away. 
You have meetings and they stop showing up. They're not at church. They're not at social functions. Where are they? Go get them. They will isolate. Mm. So we've got to be really aware of that. And then mood. Mood is like irritability, um, maybe depression, all this other stuff that goes with it. you got to go with your gut. They say we have three brains, one here based on nerve endings, one in our heart, and one in our gut. Listeners, viewers, I need you to go with your gut sometimes. I need you to go with your gut. If, if something's off, you got to say something and keep peeling back the onion. Like that, that question was perfect. So they, what if they say, I'm fine, I'm fine. They're always going to say, I'm fine. Ask me how I'm doing. I'm living the dream. I'm always fine, even when I'm not fine. You know, Dennis, we were, you and I were talking two days ago because uh, we've been preparing for this for quite a while and looking forward to sharing a painful topic with a community that wants to learn and grow and do better in this area. When I said, how do you how do you bring this up to someone that you think they may be the one struggling right now, but also they may be responding, it's fine. And your response was really, what, what you may want to do is back into it by talking about their marriage and, and, and how's the divorce going? How, how, be, you're between jobs right now. How, how's that going? You, you had to move. Now you're in a small apartment down the... So you, you back into it by talking about the topics that may be causing pain and then it may lead to a larger, broader conversation. Will you explain to me how you do that? Sure. You're back into it and you come on their side of the equation. Sometimes when we have these questions, how you doing? I'm fine. And we're button heads. I'm fine. No, you're not. Yes, you are. You know, it doesn't work. I am fine. No, you're not. And you go back and back. Come over to their side. And that's what we do. Come on their side of the table. Say, listen, somebody in your position, you know, you, financially, you, you've confided in me things aren't where they should be. Your marriage isn't what it is. Somebody in your position, I could see how you could see suicide as a way out. Are you thinking of that? And come over to their side of the table. That's the compassion, the empathy we all need that is so lacking right now right. in our world. But I'm hopeful because of people that you can see on the podcast and the Facebook Live, the responses, people want to talk about this stuff. People are compassionate. People are good by nature. Uh, we are wired that way. So come on their side. That's exactly what I tell you. Come on their side of the table so I could see all this stuff going on empathize and then ask them the question, don't be afraid to say the word suicide. Don't be afraid to say it. It's powerful. So Kim brings that very point to the forefront. Kim wants to know, Dennis, what do you say to a friend that always tells you that you you will find them after they've killed themselves? Well, one, that's a, that's a flagrant warning sign. That's communication. You'll find them. I would activate a network. That's not fair to you, Kim, to be that person with that knowledge. Just trying to, and I don't want to get mad at the person to tell you, but that's not fair. If someone dumped that on me, that's a lot of stuff. That's a, lot. that's a heavy responsibility. So I would activate a network. I know some people have gone around and notified family members, and yes, they were mad at them for a while. To tell you the truth, I wish my brothers were mad at me. I wish I would identify these signs and, and, and done something about it, because that means they're alive if they're mad at you. And I'll take it. I will take it. So Kim, in that situation, you can't be the only one carrying this. Uh, you have to activate a network, maybe family, friends, and do it in front of the person. Be upfront about it. So I can't deal with this burden of this. That would, you mean so much to me, that would break my heart. So I did this mm. and get other people around. Yeah, they're going to be a little mad. It happens, but so be it. George wants to know, do you feel that people who act on suicide are not in their right mind? Well, I think at the moment, I can't speak to that because here's, here's why. 
a lot of the folks who die by suicide take the answers with them. The people, I, I want to talk to Matt and Mark and, and find out where they were at that moment, but we have to give them grace at the same time. We don't know what they see at that moment. In that last moment, they have the blinders on. They're in crisis mode. They see that as the only way out. And we know from staring back and looking at it, that's not the only way out. We have options. I often say this to my friends. They, we'll go to plan A. We'll go to plan B. We'll go to plan C. The alphabet's pretty long. We'll keep going around. Right. So there is a mental health component. There was some talk earlier about 90% of the folks who die by suicide have some form of treatable or misdiagnosed mental health component. So yeah, maybe they're not in their right mind and it's temporary. Now, everybody who has a mental illness does not die by suicide. So I'm not saying that, but maybe there's a trauma involved. Maybe there's some, they're going through something at the time that just overwhelms their coping mechanism. We just got to keep them on this planet so that coping mechanism comes back up to speed and they can deal with it, however that is. So that's a great question. Dennis, when you speak at schools, uh, universities, for large construction companies like you're doing here in St. Louis today, that's a shout out to my friends at Keeley. To whomever it may be that you are in front of, whether it's one, me and you talking, or tens of thousands that you are in front of, what, what's one takeaway that you hope your audience might receive? The takeaway for me is one, if if it's, when I go over the warning signs, sometimes I say, this may be you. If if that's them, I want them to go see a professional. I'm a big fan of therapy. The reason I could talk about this now with you, two reasons really. I sobered up after Matthew died. and This year I'll celebrate 25 years sober. And the second smartest thing I ever did, I walked into a therapist's office and said, this is, this is bigger than me right now. I can't handle this. So I got a professional involved. I'm a big fan of mental health counseling. I'm not a psychiatrist, psychologist. I cannot say that enough. I'm just a guy who is doing this thing called life when these events hit me, and I'm a, but I'm a big fan of that profession. So I would get the experts involved early and often. And there's no stigma with that. I will tell myself, the first time I went to counseling, I looked over my shoulder to see if anyone saw me going in. I'm a guy, uh, now I don't care because I understand fully that my mental health is just as important as my physical health. And if you see me going in the office, I'll wave to you. And if you see me coming out, I'll wave to you. I don't care. My friends, I, I, Dennis has shared his heart with us today. You have provided so much information. I, I think the challenge is twofold as we get ready to depart and live inspired together. N number one is to recognize, first and foremost, that you are a piece that fits. Awkwardly, painfully, brutally, your past is dark. I get, we, we get it. Many of us have been there, but you fit. You belong, and uh, you can't do this thing called life by yourself. That That is the first piece for all of us. And then secondly, gosh, we have an opportunity daily to look beyond the reflection in the mirror, to look beyond our own warts or even our own family and to reach out to a community that is struggling, a community that is literally dying and a community that is crying out for help, thinking that they are the only piece out there that does not fit. And we have an opportunity to hitch up to them, to, to join them, to walk alongside of them and to remember that life is not always easy, but it is good. And the best of our days remain in front of us. I wanna thank again, my friend, Dennis Gillen. Dennis, where can we learn more about your work and your information? Well, I'm on the interweb, I have a website, I'm, uh, I'm up to the century now, DennisGillen.com. It's just my name, DennisGillen.com. And um, on Instagram, Facebook as well, and Twitter. But I think I'm going to get off Twitter because it's not good for my mental health. <laughs> I, again, want to thank all of you for tuning in. And I want to remind us all that in spite of the issues of the day, the best is yet to come. There is reason to celebrate. There is reason to dance. There is reason to strive to belong. So for this time, and until next time, this is John O'Leary. This is my guest, Dennis Gillen. And today is your day. Live, live, 
live, live inspired. Well, my friends, I want to thank you for tuning in to the very first Monday moment. And I can't really imagine a more important topic to tune in than one on life and death, one on being able to see what's happening around us and within us, or one that chooses to ignore the pieces of scrap paper on the floor or the difficulties we face in our own life or the challenges that are taking place in our neighborhoods or our communities, our schools, our offices. This stuff is real. It's prevalent to report again on some of the information that Dennis shared. 48,000 suicides last year, more than one and a half million attempted suicides. 50 million of us deal with mental health challenges and issues. We're struggling with this daily. It's chronic, it's real, and we need to be awake to it. We need to have eyes and hearts to see it. And we need to have, like Amy, the ability to pick up that piece of paper, read the poem, and then recognize our part in the solution. My friends, we are all like Amy Crawford. So we can all choose to make a difference. We can all choose to guide people forward, or we can choose to ignore it. We can choose to be beat up and beat down by it. So my encouragement is if you see it around you, if you see something, say something. Great advice from Dennis. It's what the TSA officers remind us. But you don't need to be going through a TSA security line at an airport to hear those words again. If you see something, if you feel something, if you notice something, then say something. Be that courageous friend. Be that light in the darkness. There's a need for it. And then secondly, and I'm talking directly now to those of you who are struggling right now in your own walk, don't do this by yourself. Lean into a friend, lean into a pastor, lean into a priest, lean into a rabbi, call a hotline, but recognize that you are broken, you are beat down, life is hard, life is full of difficulties, and yet you fit in perfectly into the mosaic of life. My friends, you are a gift, life is a miracle, and the best is yet to come. So I wanna thank you again for being part of our very first Monday Moment. Life matters and so does yours. So for this time, and until next time, this is John O'Leary, and today is your day. Live inspired. We have started a new segment called Monday Moments. The idea behind the Monday Moments is this, for me to share with you, our listeners, a burst of inspiration to start your week on fire, baby, on fire. Each week, we will be a little bit different than the one that preceded it. I may share a story from a Live Inspired community member. I may answer one of your questions, so send them in. Or like this week, I may share an update from a previous guest. To have our Monday Moment episodes automatically sent to you, subscribe to the Live Inspired podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you may be listening to your podcast. I'll also share these episodes on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter, so you can find me there. If you've had a past guest that you'd like to hear from again, share a story about how the Live Inspired podcast has changed your life, or simply just have a question that you'd like me to answer, feel free to email me at info at johnolearyinspires.com. I'm gonna say it again, because I wanna receive your feedback, your questions, your, your advice. Here we go. Send me it at info at John O'Leary Inspires.com.